Hello and welcome to the Nightcap Film Club with me, Simon Alexander, podcaster and daytime cooking show contestant. I'm sat at home in my little office in what is thankfully the coldest room in the fucking house. Jeez. <laughs> I'm so lucky that that's the case. Uh, as is Paul Foster, who joins me now. Are you right, mate? How's How you doing, mate? You right? Yeah, not bad. Yeah. I've had to close the back door. I'm in the kitchen. The conservatory is roasting, but uh, just start recording. And, yeah, but the uh, it's all right with the door open, but our neighbours decided to start mowing the lawn and we're recording. Uh, Did they not yeah, know we're I recording? <laughs> we, I had that exact. We were having some. We were doing so in the kitchen earlier, and then suddenly I heard them shearing their shed, uh, sh- uh, the hedge next door, and I was like, "Oh no, not when we go to record the podcast." <laughs> like when we're in the studio or upstairs at Salt, you don't have to worry about this sort of stuff. But yeah, I'll, very I'll, odd. I'll put a memo through my neighbour's door next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> press release. Yeah. Um, yeah, so episode three already of the film club, and we're moving on to the film Burnt, which came out in 2015, starring Bradley Cooper. This is definitely the most star-studded film we've done. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Crazy names actually in this film. It is really. Yeah, Sienna, Sienna Miller is the the sort of the female lead. Uh, that famous uh, Daniel Brol or so I can't remember his name. Who plays the uh, the restaurateur? Yeah, you got Uma Thurman by the way. Who yeah, as a critic turns up. A, she has like five lines. How did they get? So there must have been some sort of weird favour there. And then Emma Thompson uh, randomly. Yeah, with the shrink. Of course. Yeah. So weird, really. So, um, had you seen? Have you seen this before? We rewatched it this week. Yeah, I watched it in the cinema. Yeah, it same. Quickly went out of my mind. Really, I kind of <laughs> <laughs> just kind of watched it and then didn't really. You know, our films, good films, stick with you. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't <Yeah>. really. <laughs> no, that is absolutely fair enough. Um, I suppose uh, I I was chatting to you a little bit before we started recording, just saying how um, I went to the cinema and watched it and I quite enjoyed it but I did feel differently watching it back now after gaining so much insight through talking to you guys mm. um what is that, it all the stories I think it's just it's it's the impression that ev- you and all of the guests we've had on the podcast uh we've talked about loads of different topics but the overarching sort of theme for me is that sort of like where the passion the desire and the love for what you do comes from and how things have changed in restaurants and that, and all those sorts of things, and then when so when it came to the film, I looked at this film so differently after mm. having gained that insight. Okay. I sound like a dickhead, like I don't know what I'm talking about because I've never worked in a kitchen, but I felt like I was watching something that was not representative of the picture that all of you guys and all the guests we've okay. had have painted to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a bit with I'll all the shouting that. and stuff, but it was more the motivation and the dynamics. Like, I mean, we could, we'll come on to like. There's so much to go through, and I don't. I may be guilty of doing it in chronological order every episode. But it doesn't really matter. But it seems to make sense. the whole idea that he is fast like, fixated on the third star that yeah. grated on me a bit, and I didn't enjoy that storyline because I, I I didn't feel like it was that legit, and I I find it hard to believe that there are chefs out there that all they care about is getting the third star just because they come round once a year and you don't know when they come. So how can you possibly gear your life around one meal that you don't know when it's going to happen? And two, it's obvious from from Chef's Table episodes, from all you guys, that you do it for all the other reasons, all the opposite reasons to that. Yeah. What, is that, what do you think? Um, I think there is some truth in it, but it's not, you know, from the most of us. You know, I've never wanted to be a three-star chef. I've um, I wanted a star. Yeah. I know, well, I don't know what it takes to get three, and I think that's the point of it. It took a lot out of me personally to get the restaurant where it is and get it to one star. Um, I think the chefs, generally speaking, the chefs that do have three stars have that mentality. It's that drive to get three. Really? I gen- okay. Yeah. I mean, you look at how many have had it in the UK and they're relentless with that approach to get three. You know, so, you know, Gordon, just go back on YouTube and watch Boiling Point um, with mm. um, Gordon Ramsay. His relentless approach to, it was like three stars, three stars. I want to be the youngest. I want to be the youngest. I want to be three stars. I want wow. it before, before Marco had it. So I think in that, in that sense, yeah. And it's, um, I think, I mean, it's later in the film, but Emma, Emma Thompson makes quite a good, point she's like well what happens when you get three yeah you know, yeah what, exactly because what, what changes really yeah that's you know such an impre- she, she was like the drive? voice of reason wasn't she in that film and i love emma thompson anyway but she was such a reassuring figure and when he was sat on the step all broken 
and like our oh, Michelin came, we didn't get a third star, and she said something like, "Oh, you're still here?" Or yeah, you're still alive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's still alive. And and he was just in that moment, he realised, "Oh God, there's just so much more to life than." going after this one little thing. Exactly. But he's got an addictive personality and obviously he's transferred that addiction to this getting the star, the third Definitely. star. We get, we get that. And what's quite a clever device, but I'm not sure whether it's something that I could believe, was the whole idea that in the first scene of the film where he sets up what his life is like a bit mm. with a voiceover, it, he's uh, getting oysters out of shells in Louisiana and has yeah. to get to a million and then walks out on the day yeah. he gets a million. I mean, for God, I, I, and then it was literally, I, that, that opening montage, you learn that he's like addictive personality, this crazy cook. But then we literally had blues music and him wearing a leather jacket. It was like a cow, it was like a cowboy. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and they had the music coming over the beginning and I, I turned to Haley, I was like, this is like a blues song. You know where it's like, so I left doing the oysters <laughs> and we literally had that for about 10 minutes yeah. him just being, I was like this is cringe this is yeah. not cool yeah. <laughs> when um, I guess like we get a bit more of like his backstory when they talk about the chef that uh, what's his name what do they call him the chef that he learnt from and loved oh is it Jean-Luc Jean-Luc Jean that's Jean -Luc. it yeah that's that's where we sort of, sort of start to get we like learn early on that there was this mentor something's happened we're not sure what but something's gone on and that's what's derailed him or, you know, and then addiction and all these things we learn all of that straight from the bat um I imagine there's quite a few of those traits that are quite typical of some people you can meet in the industry. That sort of like hedonistic, yeah. just like, you know, want to get like, you know, feel stuff. I want to mm. always on the fidgety. Did that yeah. sort of, did the elements of that ring true to you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I met a few of them. It's, uh, you know, always after something, just want to feel something, want to eat something, just nonstop. Rel like yeah. rel relentless. They just, you can't just sit back. It's always on the go. And if it's not with the cooking you know they get into something else you know i know i've known other chefs that have had had stars and then if they get into running that's it running just 100 percent all the time gotta be the best at it yeah. cycling i've got to be the best gotta have the best gear <laughs> gotta cycle further than anyone else whilst getting started yeah. it's just fucking so much <laughs> so much yeah i can mm. completely see how that I, I suppose it's the day the day in day out um nature of the business what pre-lockdown um it the fact that it's every night and that that adrenaline pumps no matter what i suppose doesn't it because whether you're having a bad day or a good day service mm. is still coming around and you're still gonna have to push 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 and you're still yeah. and, and i suppose that is where certain personalities it's like sink or swim isn't it mm. i suppose yeah exactly exactly yeah it's right yeah there, there are definitely characters out there that are, are like like he is what's his name adam jones isn't it yeah adam jones yeah do you think his uh, was he believable? Like, Joe, like I've got another I, question about him in a minute, but was he a believable chef at the top I, of this game to you? I genuinely think he was personally. I think he's. I think okay. he, he's a very good actor, and yeah. I. This is my view on it. I think the scenes in there where he's he's got even in a very casual way, he's, he's got the intensity and I think he gets that right and he moves like a chef. And mm. for me, he is believable, but where it kind of falls down, and I think that's just a way of, not just through the film, not a plot and story being poor. It's, I mean, we're so used now to watching things like, um, let's say Breaking Bad, for example, it's hours yeah. and hours and hours of character development. They've squeezed yeah, that character so development into under two hours. Yeah. And you're talking yeah. about an addicted, um, you know, alcoholic, drug addict going through this change, trying to get three stars and then realizing how he can be better and falling in love. It's just why things felt just shoved in there because the character yeah. development was too quick. But as a presence, I, I thought he was convincing personally. Yeah, well, that, that's I think you're spot on there. Like, it's the whole sort of um, if Titanic, bad example, but like if Titanic was ten minutes, not three hours, you wouldn't cry. Yeah, and, exactly. And the only reason for that is what you've said there: character development, so you get to learn about and know about these people. And yeah, maybe if that was a twelve-part Netflix series, we might have been far more impressed and might have cared about him more. Because yeah. actually, that was one thing that I found myself questioning at the end: like, do I really care or like him? Like, there's not too many redeeming qualities. 
Um, you know, I, he's got his insecurities, so I feel a bit sorry for him. But mm. I didn't particularly like. Yay! I wasn't like he's got three star. Uh, I didn't have like that. You no, like? You oh don't. my god! I'm so pleased for him. I, I didn't. I just. You're not care. rooting for no. him because you can't. You can't empathise. You don't invest in him. You don't see him go on this journey where, like, if it was a you know a twelve part thing or a seven series thing, you'd ups downs, ups downs, and you'd see yeah. see his growth. You'd see his vulnerabilities. Definitely. But no, it's just too quick in that respect yeah 100% and I think some of the scenes that could have been really um, could have been opportunities to get that to sort of bring more out of him and understand him more were in his relationships with all these different people because you see he's got a million he's in every scene almost isn't he but he's got all these separate relationships with different people and I just felt like they were a bit I think a good example for me is um, when he goes to try, you know, I, I quite like those quick montages of all the street food and stuff. You get a real yeah. sense of like the quickness and the smells and the like, like, vibe and the fact that he's not a snob. He'll go and try and look up for anything. Um, and then he sees the guy. Uh, we don't really know how he knows him properly, but he sees the guy and convinces him to come out to of, of the little shack that he's working yeah. in to come and work for him. And then he goes and stays with his... <laughs> Him and his girlfriend while they're in bed and he's in the kitchen and that whole weird scene. And it, I suppose it's in moments like that you think maybe a bit of vulnerability because he knows someone or they could talk about a story from times gone by so we could get to know. But instead it was just a bit too Hollywood for me. It was just yeah. a bit like cheesy catch lines, like catchphrases. And it feels it's like it's odd. either been edited down or it's just been shoved, yeah. shoved in a little bit. Like, it, yeah, it doesn't... The, the one bit from that scene, though, that I did enjoy because it was sort of like the director's and writer's way of getting people who don't know about the world of food up to date with what Michelin means is where he's, he's sitting in bed with his girlfriend and she's us. She, she's the audience that doesn't know about food. And he yeah. goes, right, so basically, uh, one star, you're Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> and straight away, I turned to Hayley at that point. I was just like, do you reckon when people like Paul who've got one star hear that go, I am Luke Skywalker, yeah. Yeah, yeah I reckon that. Should I, I, <laughs> I change my avatar on Twitter now to Luke yeah. Skywalker? I'm not a Star Wars fan either at all, but... <laughs> <laughs> that probably helps. Else. Yeah, he said uh, to be a one-star chef, you have to be a Luke Skywalker. To be two, you've got to be whoever Alec Guinness is, because I'm a Star Wars fan. I don't know who that is. Yeah. And then three, you're Yoda. Do you think that's a? Uh, does that make sense? I suppose. Yeah. I'm a Star Wars fan. I really... suppose. Yeah. I suppose so. I mean, I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I do know um, Luke Skywalker, obviously, and Yoda's <laughs> like the ultimate legend, isn't he? Um, <laughs> And he's ugly, but uh, wise. He's but wise. I, I don't know what the I don't know what Alec Guinness is though, so I can't no, say about that two one. Stars, I'll have two to stars in the that. middle. Yeah. Um, briefly after that, when we sort of like he's he's getting the old team back together, so he's got the guy that he pissed off in Paris, yeah, which comes back to bite him in the ass in a be- in a beautiful way and a sort of slightly weird way. Um, yeah. Got him. We've got this kid who's quite good, and then he gets. He meets up with Sienna Miller and they go to the Burger King. And that's probably genuinely one of my favourite uh, scenes in the film mm. is when they meet at Burger King. Because uh, that's what... I, and I know that because the first time I watched it a few years ago, that is the only scene I could remember. Okay, yeah. So going back in to watch it again, all I can remember is the Burger King scene. And even though it wasn't like a big thing, it was just a very sort of subtle thing about class and food mm, it was and the and, consistency and sn- and- yeah and consistency and snobbery and I think that's a really you know we talked about it a bit about my dad on the last podcast about bringing him to salt because I felt like he wouldn't be intimidated by its atmosphere and those sorts of things and I think that that one scene does hit a nail on the head a bit in terms of people's idea of what good expensive food is against you know a cheap pate a patty from a a burger joint is and I think that was there was a lot of uh, truth in all that for me yeah it's and I can empathise with it as well you know I've never been scared to say I'll I'll eat at places like that I know some chefs more open to it nowadays some chefs traditionally would be like Sienna Miller was I don't eat this crap I don't eat here um, yeah. but for me it's about expectations one you don't judge Burger King or McDonald's by your own standards if you do it's, yeah. of course it's going to be shit um, yeah. and you would judge it by the price point it's cheap food it's yeah. you know it's never going to be amazing and it, you, you you get what you're paying for 
don't you? And if you yeah. understand that, it's like if your expectations are here, you're not going to be disappointed by it. But, you know, you yeah. go to a freestyle restaurant, your expectations are at a different level, aren't they? Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, that, that's what it is for me. And I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not snobby about that. <laughs> well, um, I do, I annoy myself when I do this, when I go to nice restaurants. Like, even if I come to Salt and stuff, I can't help but people watch a bit. Like, mm. you just do. I think you do anything. No, you do everywhere. Like, I'm not just saying yeah. it just at Salt, but like, if I go to Costa, like, I'll, I'll, you people watch, don't you? Yeah, I love but it. But you're, you're people watching from a slightly different perspective when you go out to dinner somewhere that's a few hundred quid ahead. Mm. Definitely. Because some people, that's to a penny. They do it every other week. For, so for for me, it's saving up because I really want to go. And it's like a hobby that I love so much that I'll put the money in so that I can go three or four times a year to a really nice place. And then there's varying degrees in between. From where you are on the pa- on the past, do you sit there and look at everyone and, and think about deer? Yeah, I love it. It's like, <laughs> especially as our, our place, as you know, um, you get, we get such a mix of people. And yeah, yeah and it... Uh, at first, I was like watching everyone the first year or so, and I'd be saying to if it was Laura or Gibbo working next to me, I'd be like, "What do you reckon, Sarah? Are they enjoying it? Look at her face on it. Like what?" And then I'd get the manager to go and just check and see if they're right, and like, "Yeah, they're loving life. They're loving it." So well, they don't look like it, and you know, because these different characters and um, there's different expectations, and then different mm-hmm. they've got d- different um, experiences as well. It, it becomes so hard to judge, but I love it. We get you get some right characters, honestly. And yeah, I bet. You, you do learn. I can tell the people that are going to kick off and moan. Tell the people that are just loving it, and you can tell just little thing if people are like getting a little bit agitated. So you know, it's good when you've got that position where you can watch the dining room and you can be on stuff like that as well. But um, yeah, no, I look. I but look, it's hard not to judge people. Oh, oh, it's hard not to, definitely. <laughs> Make assumptions about them, like, you know, if there's an age difference between a couple, you look at them like, yeah, he's doing that and she's doing it. Like, you just do, don't you? You can't yeah. help it. Sometimes I like, just for a bit of fun, and it'd always make Laura laugh, I'd just create a whole backstory. Like, <laughs> Do you? Yeah. That is brilliant. It'd just go crazy or go down a rabbit hole and you've, <laughs> you've written an autobiography for them just from looking that on. <laughs> that is brilliant. I love the idea of that. Um, in and around that sort of scene when they're talking in Berkey and stuff, he actually said something that I thought was supposed to be poignant for the film, but I outright disagreed with. He said, consistency is death. Yeah. And I... I can see what he was trying to say, but I feel like that was wrong because I feel like what he was alluding to is consistency is becoming stale and always moving is somehow progressing or learning or whatever. And then I was thinking about Grant uh, Grant Ackett's in that first thing mm. where he was like, you know, I don't want to stick to one menu. We keep changing the menu, keep changing it, keep moving forward. I think that's what I meant, but surely consistency can't be deaf because at a certain level, your bad days still have to be very good days. Does that make sense yeah. at, at that level? So consistency is actually a really key thing, isn't it? It is. It's how you interpret it. Like consistency doesn't mean that you do the same thing all the time. It means, yeah. for me, that your standards don't drop. If you're evolving your food yeah. and creating new dishes like Grant does, the standard is still there. And the same yeah. is if you're having a bad day, like genuinely... Like thinking back at Seoul, for, if I'm having a bad day or you're just struggling or something... It doesn't, to my knowledge, it doesn't affect the food that leaves. The food's always yeah. fine. It would never be like, oh, we had a bad day. That was a bad service. Like, yeah, I was having a bad day, but it was still, the standard was still the same. It was still consistent. Yeah, and we changed yeah. the menu all the time, as you know, and like trying to move forward. But um, yeah, consi- consistency is, is there. Consistency is important yeah. for yeah, consistency of standard. I felt like they were trying too hard in the film to make that something that I just felt like, nah, they've not quite got that right. And it yeah. bugged me, that that one little thing really bugged me. Um, the next thing that did bug me as well, and you'll be able to testify to this far greater than me because I don't know. But you know when he just decides, like an, the arrogant prick he is, that he's going to go into the hotel and just start cooking for them. So yeah. he just turns up in his whites. He's in the ho- He's like, right... You've got Uma Thurman out there. I'm going to cook for you. And, and then eventually, it's just like, oh, God, this is awful. But then, so that the guy goes, fine, you can cook for me. And then the next scene is he starts butchering an animal from scratch. A grouse, yeah. She's already sat I know. at the table. Like, I was thinking, what? You get, yeah. that, you're miles at the You've no meat on class. You've got no sauces, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Who's <laughs> there? Feathers on the bird. I was like, filleting hey, a whole fish. She's sat. She's got. She's already had a starters, mate. <laughs> what are you doing? What are we doing? 
<laughs> I was like, this is so wrong. <laughs> God, I'm mad. That yeah. really bugged yeah, me. Yeah, I, um, I thought the same as well. I don't imagine many people would really think that. You yeah. know, the amount of people I speak to that think you do everything during service is unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think many people would pick up on that that aren't in the industry or, or know about oh, the industry. Yeah. Loved it. That that was the Hollywood bit for me. I was just like, he's got a whole bird there. He's just, how long is that going to take? She was like, fucking hours. Um, uh, yeah, that, it was quite fast paced at this point in the film because then we've got this, we've got this like multiple storylines. We've got the storyline then of his sort of was friend, now rival, who's also got a really nice place down the road, which is the stereotypical, like they made it look like a science lab by literally Reese. slash art gallery, didn't yeah. they? Like it was like floor to ceiling white canvas. Yeah. yeah. And the kitchen was not a kitchen, was it? That no. looked like a GCSE science club. <laughs> it did. Ridiculous. It was set up like an Al Bully style kitchen, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Not not a kitchen kitchen. Um yeah, they went a bit wayward with him either, and they didn't really go into that either. Um, no. Like he, because um, he got a good review, didn't he? Adam Jones did. And Reese, yeah. I mean, he's a prick, and he? he smashed up his own restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that, someone got a review. that Got a review? I wrote that down. I was like, hang on. He just, Bradley Cooper's got an, a quite good review the first time, and you're smashing your restaurant. Like, yeah, your, your three Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> And you're going to start again? Yeah. Like, what the like hell are you Like a spoiled little shit. His investor comes in. I've sunk everything into this. All of a sudden, yeah. a few weeks later, he's reopening, fucking relaunching it. <laughs> <laughs> he's spoiled prick. Oh, actually, this reminds me. So along the same vein, Bradley Cooper takes over this restaurant mm. that's got two stars already, are we assuming? Because they never actually say. I don't think he's got any. I, I, don't, oh, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm assuming... Well, this is a big hole in the plot then. So yeah. I was thinking, you, you, as a chef, you can't carry your stars around with you. You can't go, right, I'm going to take over that pizza place now. That's got two stars because I've got two stars. No, you, no, you can't, no. So how um, does he, at the end of the film, he gets his third star. How have we got there? Well, yeah, that, that is a hole in the plot. But even so, <laughs> so, so say if it did, because it was at the Langham Hotel, wasn't it? Say if the Langham did have two, they've completely changed the restaurant, changed the team, changed the kitchen, changed the name. So it's a new restaurant. So it goes to none. It would start from scratch. Yeah. So yeah. it started with nothing. And he's obviously hoping to get straight in at three. Only French people do that. <laughs> yeah, that is outrageous. Just, uh, I, was, I was thinking, again, it's so industry specific, isn't it? But I was yeah. thinking, well, this doesn't make sense because you can't just pick up a third. Yeah. But that'd been, we'd have had to have got the mate in the bed with his missus to have explained all of that <laughs> so yeah. that the audience, just so that we understand what was going on. Um, yeah, the other, the other thing that made me laugh was um, when he eventually nabs Sienna Miller mm. to come and work for him. He goes, I'll triple your salary, right? Yeah. Now, she alluded to being on minimum wage. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's generous. Amazing. Massive change in her life. And then she goes to walk out again and the restaurateur says, I'll double your salary. Yeah. And he, and she goes, Bradley's already fucking tripled it. And he goes, and he goes doesn't matter. I'll double it. So that, at that point, I had to pause. I literally paused it. Wait a minute. So if she's on minimum wage, let's just say, for example, she was on 17 grand. Yeah. Right. It's tripled by Bradders. Yeah. So it's 52 grand. Yeah. Now it's still, she's on 100 grand now, is she? For a sorcier. For, for a, is that right? I was like, I was looking at like, this car, she can't, and she doesn't seem that over the moon. Two weeks ago, she's on 70 grand. Now she's on 100 grand. And she's like, oh, fine, I'll do it. I was like, yeah. yo, this is, a, this is an absolute joke. What world is she living in? Yeah. I, and I actually, I, it did lead me to think, uh, like, I don't actually know. I suppose it would be absolutely different in every restaurant and depending on location, especially London and that sort of thing. But what would a sorcier be getting at that sort of level of restaurant, do you reckon? Do you um, know? Or would it's it hard to say because... It's very rare that anyone's employed as that. It's not a it's not a job title. It's a section, right? Um, so it depends who would be doing the section. So it'd be a, generally a chef to party at some place. Um, if it's smaller, it might be the sous chef or even the head chef or a junior. She soup. almost becomes the sous chef almost automatically. Fucking well paid she? one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I never worked it out, but straight away I was like, that's a lot. That's a fucking yeah. lot, yeah. Triple yeah. then double, yeah. yeah. 
wow. I'd have bit his hand off. I'd be complaining, mate. Yeah. Incredible. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was uh, when one of the worst moments in the film for me, just because what a prick, was when he was in his rival's restaurant and he shouts across the restaurant saying something like, oh, there's too much salt. In, uh, too much too lemon, lemon in, in the sauce. Yeah, you fuck the sauce with too much lemon. Uh, and the whole, right, like that is, that's got me. Has that ever happened to you where anyone has ever shouted loudly in your restaurant about something that they're, to make sure, because obviously Bradley's point there is I want to humiliate you and make all the tables know yeah. what I think of you. Has that ever happened to you in any way you've worked where someone at a table has gone, I think this is, uh, and they've shouted because they want the restaurant to know. Yeah, drunk guests have, yeah. Yeah, but I've kicked them out, like genuinely kicked them out. Um, there's been been two, and one was a chef, actually. Um, I've, I've told, I've talked about it on a boiling point. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they they were wrong. <laughs> no, yeah. just, yeah, just drunk and being arseholes, really. Um, not like that. I mean, he's sober at lunchtime and just being an arsehole. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't happen. At that often. point, I was really like, I don't like this guy. Like, I don't want him to. I want this place he's in. I want them to. Let's let's keep following this story. Yeah. I hope they do really well. <laughs> uh, Bradley absolutely fucks it. Uh, another strand to it was the whole like butter and old fashioned French cooking against water baths and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we talked about genuinely, isn't it? Over the course of a few podcasts about different styles, about modern techniques coming into it. Yeah. Um, do you think that was realistic for a guy who's at three star level to be so neglectful of a water bath to not even know what it is really? I, th- I think maybe a few years back it would have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it would have been that way, but it, it was like the automatic change and it didn't seem like, they just seemed, I don't know, the way Sienna Miller just come in and dumped it on the section. Yeah. It was like, yeah. what, what, you, what, you, what are you doing here? Like, what, what? And then just all of a sudden, everything's cooked in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, We've gone from not using it at all to every day. We can't, we can't do a dish without it. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, yeah, and it, they seem to be using it to make things easier rather than, is that the best for the product? Good point. You know, and it just yeah. made made service easier. But yeah, I don't, yeah, it was just a bit weird the way they lumped that in there. Like that that attitude from a classically trained chef is, you know, that's not uncommon at all. Um, mm-hmm. But then to change completely to do everything in it is just that's just weird. You know, the 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 best chefs I think will embrace all and you know have a look and see if that works. And then it's always like I've said to you many times before about the what's the best product on the plate and yeah. how you're achieving that and that's what's most important mm-hmm. yeah makes sense um I, I still despite like obviously we picked apart loads of bits of this movie but i still quite enjoyed the uh the kitchen scenes yeah like, the energy was, felt very authentic yeah that felt quite real and and little things like uh, you know when he he's first there and he starts going mental at them all and throwing stuff around the kitchen opening night yeah yeah, opening yeah. night starts chucking stuff against the wall, tells everyone, you know. But what felt, what was one of the most like gut wrenching scenes of the whole film was when he humiliates them all in front of everyone. I know we've had a few boiling point stories from a few of our guests over the past couple of series about this sort of stuff, but that felt like that could be really true, like oh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so much, especially a while ago at that kind of level. Not not so much now, but. Um... Yeah, that that whole experience made me feel uncomfortable because I've I've been in that exact environment a few times, yeah. more well, more than a few times. The the film got slated by a lot of chefs that had never worked in that environment or that kind of level, saying that that's false. Yeah. It does, it's never happened. It's not true. It's it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But that is one of the more authentic parts of the film, I think. He, really, the intensity in him. I thought it was a like, genuinely a good piece of acting by Bradley, and just how he made yeah. his sous chef eat the scallop in front of him. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Oh, fucking yeah. And he's just yeah. It was it was very head, real. I've seen I've, I've seen seen there. I've been there. I've been on the end of what it. About- what about the bit where he goes, no, not to me, talk to the fish? Yeah, I've done that, yeah. Rit, have you? Yeah, have I've you done made... that to, to someone else? Yeah, not as brutally as that. I've made them apologise to the food. <laughs> oh my God, that is outrageous, <laughs> mate. But it was, it was more tongue-in-cheek than that. It wasn't like, it was nowhere near like that kind of environment. Yeah. I'd just be like, 
come on, say sorry to the lamb. Look, you fucked it. Come on. <laughs> and sorry, lamb. <laughs> what Before I'd watched that film. But yeah, it wasn't, yeah. I must say, it wasn't like that. I've never, I've never been like that at all, but I've been on the end of that few times it's not nice it's not nice and it's when well, no, it's, it's pretty like again like making us hate him even more when he grabs sienna miller by the by the whites and like starts shoving her around mm. the thing and i was thinking fuck me like i mean any other job in the world you're just getting sacked aren't you you are yeah like you are just getting sacked like how did how did people get away with this for so just long do. i suppose it, i suppose it might still be happening a little bit yeah, my, I don't hear of it to be honest. Like with friends I speak to, but I've exper- I've been on the end of that, been ragged around like that, and um, no, only speaking from my experience. You just you you don't. So many people, and I'd tell mates about it, and they'd be like, "Well, I'd just beat them up, or I'd just <laughs> fucking you know, I'd just walk hit out." Them back. Yeah. yeah, I'd hit them back, or or I'd. Um, thinking about now I think well, why didn't I do that or like I remember one of my mates like a real placid guy we were drunk one night and I was telling him about something really bad that had happened he was like we'll get a van and we'll go down there we'll stick some balaclavas on and we'll we'll do an over <laughs> so, no, we did, a part of you, did a part of you go oh uh, no we shouldn't we shouldn't do that but I, th- I think the reason the for me it's like um you feel like you've let them down. They make you feel like you've let them down. So you, you kind of like, in a way, they're right doing this. I, I deserve the punishment. So you're not, you're not going, you're not calling them on it so much because you're not strong enough generally as well. You're younger. You put these people up on a pedestal and you just, um, you feel like you've let them down. So that's why a lot yeah. of people never used to speak up, which isn't right. You know, it's kind of like in a in a way, um, you know, like emotional abuse or physical abuse from a like uh, partner to another partner. You feel like you've let them down. You feel like you're the one in the wrong. Yeah, that kind of it's dynamic. The whole negative, negative against positive reinforcement. Like I'm going to do this behaviour to avoid punishment, rather than I'll do this behaviour so that I get rewarded with praise. Mm. Is it's that? dynamic and i think yeah the chef's world was negative reinforcement constantly it was never one of praise was it It was never fucking amazing mate like yeah (laughs) yeah you can't imagine it okay just like marcus warry or gordon ramsay turned around to go give me a hug come on bring it in that was fucking brilliant take half the day off yeah do you know what you go if they did you'd be petrified you take the rest of the day off you're like oh god well i've been sacked (laughs) unbelievable yeah Uh, so yeah at that point the film like things start turning around he he starts doing he brings the the second wave of food that comes out that actually looks like really good stuff i thought all the food early on looks stunning yeah, yeah, it's really good. And what they start churning out is really good. And then we get to the whole, right, three Michelin stars, is it going to happen? And then again, for the audience, we get the breakdown, supposedly, from the restaurateur. <laughs> this is the bit that you hate the most. This, this is the is. main bit I remembered from the film. It's fucking okay. carnage. Well, I've written the list of what the criteria is. So <laughs> I is did what, as well. So this is what, this is what the restaurateur says. Um, two middle-aged men, sometimes a woman. Yeah. So I don't know why that's relevant. One orders a la carte, one orders taster. In that, a lot of restaurants, that's not even allowed, is it? 99.9% of the time, that would not happen. You know, when we did a la carte and taster, it was a strict no. And, yeah. you know, most restaurants would say no. And most customers don't even try it. Some do, no. and they're like, okay, no. So no, they would never know. Okay, that's a straight no. They eat in pairs... They always book before 7.30. I was trying to work out what that was relevant for. What would that be relevant for? I don't know. I suppose you have to if you're eating at 7.30, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, I was trying to think, like, why do they all... If this is true, why? What What benefit... Why do... Because no. they're going to be there for... Like, I just don't do no. get that. Sometimes they're walking. Sometimes they're booked. They're booking advance. Sometimes they're booked just before service. They do what they want. There's no format. There is no format. One arrives early and the other arrives late so that the one can have a drink at the bar, apparently. What if you ain't got a bar? <laughs> yeah. we, ain't, we ain't got one. <laughs> well, and also, isn't there a, Viet- a Vietnamese, like, um, a little shat, uh, like a, a thingy on wheels that's got a Michelin star? You couldn't have a drink at the bar there, <laughs> could you? Yeah, I mean, no, it's you literally at the side of a road. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, it gets to the stage where half a bottle of... Wine and tap water. Again, I don't know why that would be relevant, but I suppose that's not a thing, is it? No, they're generally 
generally they'll like um, they might ask for recommendations sometimes what you know oh what will work with this sometimes but again that's not a rule oh, okay they might oh yeah. I'm having the lamb what 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 by the glass would you recommend? It's quite a common thing for them to order by the glass to see what you're you're offering and you know see what works with it. To be honest, I'd expect that if I was a Michelin judge coming in, I would take I, without being like odd about it. I would always say to whoever's serving me, "Oh, I'm going to have the lamb for mate or whatever. What would you recommend?" Mm. Just because one, it'll be great to genuinely have wine that goes well with it, but then yeah. also secondly, because that is a legitimate test of the establishment's like knowledge and like. So that seems like exactly. a, the right thing to do. And you can suss the sort of place out. You know, some some restaurants of sort of lower standard, they'll just be customers like that, or oh, I can get rid of this on them, I can get rid of this, rather than selling uh, them the yeah, right yeah, product yeah. for it. The better restaurants will always go for the right product rather than just, oh, this guy's asking for wine, let's offload those that are open. So that's why we could come to York to sell and have the scallops to start, and sometimes they'll say, we recommend this £40 coffee. Well, uh, <laughs> this would really well with your yeah. scallops. <laughs> 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 Um, and then the the last thing, which is the tip of the iceberg, is oh, the fork on the floor. Yeah. Right. Fucking tell cringe. Tell me about the fork on the floor. Is that like, tell oh. me about it? <laughs> <laughs> and I love it how it's like they don't drop it because that will cause alarm. They place it gently <laughs> to see if you fuck off. <laughs> shut up. Like shut the, up. So I mean, did you have you ever suspected that any Michelin star judge would ever like? ask an unusual question or test the place's ability to deal with anything? No, from experience, they, they just come and enjoy. They're not like, like, how can we catch them out or test them and see if they'll... They, they, they come. Like the, yeah. only, the only thing that they said that was right in there, um, but they kind of take it down the wrong route, is that they give everyone a fair chance, which I believe. Um, but they were suggesting they do all of these things to everywhere, so everywhere gets a fair chance. That's that's yeah, wrong. That's completely that's wrong. wrong. You know, they'll, oh, yeah. they'll they'll book when they want. They'll come. Mine have mainly been ones. I don't know if I've had twos. Maybe um, they'll tend to when it's for two or three stars. There'll be two more, and there'll be ones from other countries come. Um, yes, and there's there's no format. There's no format yeah. at all, and um, they just they just come. They want to enjoy it. They're not not testing you per se, but they're asking questions about the menu. They want the information, and they want to see how how good you are. And uh, I, I, what I love about it though is I love that they they think that there's some people that have cracked the code that can go to restaurants, do these <laughs> things just to get looked after better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two guys have yeah. come in and put a fucking fork on the floor like, yeah, yeah we're getting hooked up tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two salesmen from Birmingham, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so ultimately what you're saying and what we're sort of summarizing is that what the reality of how Michelin works doesn't make for a good film. No. That's why they've had no. to come up with all... Cause they had to come no up with a hook line. With, like Marcus Waring was a consultant chef on this and Gordon Ramsay was an exec producer. Like, There's no way that they're saying, right, this is what they do. No, is there? not it at all. It must have been the directors or whoever saying, right, look, there's, we've got to find a way of making Michelin a yeah. thing. Part of the story, story, they needed fake inspectors in, so they needed like some sort of hook to make them think they were. Otherwise, it would have been, yeah, we think they are. Yeah, exactly. Touching on the Marcus Marcus and Gordon Ramsay bits, is there any elements of the food you saw on the plates being served out or any things Bradley was doing? So I assume it would have been mainly Bradley and them together learning how to uh, sort of almost hold yourself. Mm. Is there any elements of sort of them that you could see on this film? Shouting. <laughs> just just relentless shouting. Yeah, shouting is and Mark, swearing. Is Marcus known as a big shouter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I've, uh, I've never worked for him and I don't know him, but yeah, as far as I'm aware, he's known as quite a... Volatile. Oh, he, he just looked like a baby blue-eyed boy on MasterChef Professionals, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> does. <laughs> Love it. What about uh, the food? Could you see any of that in them? Not, not specifically, but you know, it's well refined, and all the food does look. You know, it matches what they say it's going to. It matches expectations, and it all looks, you know, to the two, three star level. It looks sharp. It looks well 
produce. They must have had good teams in there producing yeah. it. Yeah, and you can tell such that's come big, from their teams. Oh, yeah, and that's such a bit like that would have destroyed the film maybe even more than it's already destroyed if they'd have fucked that up because that's so central. Like, if it looked like a kebab and chips, everyone would be like, right, well, this is a load of bollocks. But <laughs> it did genuinely live up to it. And, and I, I don't know about you, but it, I thought when Bradley Cooper was... The way he was ducked over on the pass... Looking yeah. over the food and like that, he looked the part to me there. Mm. How he was doing? Yeah, he did. He did, and I think that's just testament to him as an actor. And I think what gets you through the film is, like personally for me, is um, you know, it's quite an authentic feel to the kitchen if you're a foodie. Mm-hmm. And I think his acting is is good, and he feels like a chef. That's what gets you through. It's just there's no fucking story or plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't even have to go into it much because it was so ridiculous. But the whole idea of these, like, what gang drug gangs that come to the back door, and and what happens by the way? Because they come to the back door of the kitchen what four times in the mm. movie, yeah. and they just have a word. Is that every time? Oh, you better give us that mo. Okay, yeah. Tuesday, fine. Tuesday, we'll see you Tuesday, and then four days later, oh, they're back again. Yeah, have you got the money? No, I'll get it to you by Monday. Fine. Oh, you better give yeah. us by Monday. Oh, you bugger. Yeah and, yeah, and then eventually they beat him up a bit. Like, it just yeah. did absolutely just Yeah, it on. felt like they didn't need that at all because we yeah. we knew that he was, you know, in a bad way and into drugs and stuff. And I think they should have made more of it if people were really tracing him. They just come. Yeah. And then his, his ex paid him off. Boom, yeah. done. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was, she was, thank God for her. I, I mean, know. She came out of nowhere, just paid him, just unbelievable. I got the, and got lovely knives out of it. Which yeah. Was, that was one yeah. thing this film did make me want, though, is I want, even though I have no reason to have them at all, is just to have a knife set that I can roll out. <laughs> I, just that idea, I do love that. I mean, yeah. it'd be ridiculous to do that in my own kitchen, <laughs> but the idea that you could just put your knives on your back and go wherever, that is a cool <laughs> do you Do you have all of yours in a thing like that? No, I don't, because mine, I don't take mine anywhere to stay at the restaurant. Um, I've course, got them in, yeah. a, in a drawer, and that's it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, nothing exciting or romantic there. No, I, I used know, to when I was younger. But anyone who does and takes them everywhere, they're generally an agency chef. Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they're just on their back and they're working in the next shit hole. Yeah, <laughs> generally. <laughs> um, yeah, were there any other takeaways from this film that you thought you sort of like picked up on or any other things that annoyed you? Um, we had one thing that annoyed me just watching Reese make that omelette like with that, <laughs> with that Why? fork he kept scratching the non-stick pan with a fork it's oh yes oh, like, that's you don't, horrible you don't need a fork mate you can use a spatula you could use a spoon like all you're doing is bringing it together and you're just yeah. scratching it so it's a non- nice non-stick I, pan put the fork I down Reese. I think when he was scratching the pa- I turned the volume down. Oh, did you? <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is one of those horrible, I hate. Yeah. I can never do it with my own pans. I can never put forks in the pan. No. But the, what he, the omelette did look good, though. Oh, it, it looked... make me want one. It looked amazing. It looked lovely. Yeah, it looked nice. Yeah. yeah. Almost uh, as good as uh, Remy's in Ratatouille. Almost. Yeah, almost. Almost. At least someone got <laughs> to eat his. <laughs> uh, um, oh, another question I had quickly was... Um, you know when they're setting up the restaurant uh, for opening night, mm. they get a little tape measure out to measure the distances between the cutlery and the plates. Yeah. Would that ever happen at certain places? Yeah, yeah, places like that. You know, yeah, definitely, definitely. Wow, so you would. get like ruler and have dimensions and stuff like that. Yeah, you, yeah. You don't do that. No, we don't do that. No, most guests just come and just put their arms on and move everything and yeah. and that. But <laughs> it, it wouldn't really work at our place. It would. It would be a waste of time and energy but when in a dining room like that it's you know it's Ridiculous. it's one of those things you you go into a dining room like that and it's like you don't notice those things but they make a difference you know subconscious like quality there that everything looks refined and reese made a comment about he was taking a piss out of the restaurant um saying it was like old paris style but i thought it was stunning i thought it was beautiful and it was like yeah clean it wasn't like a traditional french restaurant like with so much going on i thought it was stunning i thought it was better than yeah. his restaurant like decor yeah yeah he's oh, just jealous you, yeah he can't make an omelette jealous. So. Jealous <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and one thing i did i did think was it was it was kind of nice but again it didn't work for the film but the way when michelin actually came in and he let everyone do their jobs um yeah that, that's the way it should be it reminded me like of kind of like sat's approach if um if Sat knew we had Michelin in, um, if he'd worked out for the bookings or if they were highly suspicious, he wouldn't tell the whole team. Nobody'd know. 
So really? That's ta- very interesting. It's how John and me, and then obviously his wife would know, probably tell the restaurant manager, but he'd be like, don't you dare tell the team. Um, so everything they've ever achieved there would you know, the, the staff are doing their normal job and he wouldn't be over... I'd obviously have eyes on it and look in and, and check in. Of, of course you would, yeah. just, just um, yeah. you know, but he'd he'd let you do your job and trust you and then, you know, you get the reward afterwards. And That's yeah, really interesting. Some people start to shit themselves and start overthinking it as well, you yeah. know, and start trying to do it's too much. It's the equivalent of like, uh, you know, Champions League final compared to a normal league game. Yeah, you know, suddenly you, you're worried about every pass because we could lose the final, whereas an elite game, I've got, you know, there's 10 more games left to make up for this. Mm. And you see that football, knowing the field of football as well as I do, just watching it for years, you can see the players I'm used to watching day in, day out, suddenly are making uncharacteristic errors because there's, t- there's too much on the line. And I think that's exactly what you're saying there. But is it really admirable of Sack? Because I can see, you can almost empathise a bit with Bradley Cooper when he wants this so bad that when it comes, oh fuck, it's now, he becomes a control freak because he's so, what he wants it mm. too much. Yeah. And, and exactly what you've just described there and what Sat does is that if it's, if it's, if it's right and we deserve it, then it shouldn't matter if exactly. we do or we don't. And no chef has ever got three stars on their own. Yeah. So, you know, That's we need to start to appreciate the team. Like some chefs, have, you know, I've seen in the past, it's, um, it, you know, I found it annoying when I was younger. It happened at Le Manoir as well. If there was someone like that in, or if Raymond Blanc was eating, the sous chef would just come and take over and do it, and then they'd be yeah. on everything, doing everything, and then it'd be like, well, one, I'd be thinking to the rest of the customers, not matter that much. Two, yeah. am I not good enough that I can cook for the rest of the customers, but not for them? You know, sometimes I'd have, I'd do say dressings and things and sauces and have them tasted before service, and they're fine. Um, yeah. But then, like the, the chef might, the sous chef might make them again if it was Raymond Blanc was eating, and I just didn't like that approach at the time, um, personally. Yeah. But like, like to that again, he would he wouldn't be on the sections doing every dish, you know. And it, you know that has been done. And I've seen that done, and I think it's the wrong really? approach. Yeah, you got to you got to yeah. trust your team. It's the equivalent in an office of micromanaging, isn't it? You have exactly, to, yeah. You cannot be over all the detail in the same way. You just no. and it doesn't feel as good when you get there either. Mm. Um, I suppose that leads on quite nicely to uh, the other thing I wrote <clears throat> down, which I, I did genuinely like. And I thought about what you talked about on the last podcast about the whole Lost Boys thing yeah. that, Rhi- you, that Rianne sort of spoke mm. of, about this idea that you know, for a lot of some chefs that can be a bit like you know, a collective of people that have come together through very different paths, find themselves working 12 hours a day with each other every day. But what was really nice in this film is you got a genuine sense of like from good times or bad, there's something really nice and almost ritualistic about everyone stopping and having a big family meal in the middle of the day. And like Brad Carter's made his, I mean, his cookbook is basically staff dinners and stuff. And that is really unique because obviously most jobs, which are say office based or whatever, you're either eating by yourself or you're just, or you, you know, you don't, you're not, it's not an event. Whereas in a kitchen, you're making food anyway, and it becomes this sort of centralized thing. And it looked amazing. Like it made you want to work there. Yeah, just seeing that. It does you, you, you see a family straight away, and it's it's nice because um, yeah, I've never really thought about it because I've never really worked in other environments. But yeah, in office yeah. you'd be you'd have your break at a different time to your mate generally, yeah, and then meal deal. Yeah, like, go you know, just... city is wanky sandwich. Yeah, something. Or, <laughs> yeah, something you've made at home that's gone a bit cold or a bit bit horrible. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, exactly you're not you're way. not in there joining it together. But I've pretty much always done that, enjoyed the food with other people. Um, yeah. Yeah, it does. It does make a difference, and they that they made nicer, that was a nicer payoff than the three star for me. Yeah, uh, he got the three star. They sat by the Thames, not talking to each other, just smiling. And yeah, it's like, oh great. But then the the nicer payoff was him deciding I'm going to eat with everyone, and actually it's me and the team. And it was quite you know it was fairly obvious what they were trying to do. But I actually quite liked that. I thought yeah. it was quite cool. Yeah, and oh, we did uh, we did miss something as well. Another thing that just shoved in there that was like, why did what's the point? Um, yeah. The maitre d was in love with him. Yeah, yeah there's an unneeded story. One of about three just pointless storylines that you yeah. didn't need to have in there. If they took was... a couple of them out, they could make more of one or the other, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah. you're so true. And then that awkward scene where they find out that it was two men from Birmingham that knew how to sort of like act like Michelin star judges so that they get some extra bits. He gets up off the bed and kisses him. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then we, and he's like, oh, uh, he's all flustered. I'm like, oh, God, you, yeah. but I always felt like he, he's, he was sort of mocking him a bit because he's yeah. like, I know, I can assert my, like, you know, sort of, yeah. I could be like, kiss you, and they're like, yeah, look, and then just stares him out the room. I was like, this is so weird. This is yeah, like the weirdest story. Oh, it's, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Did not need that. Yeah. No. Right, so any other random observations? I've got um, one more here. Um, I, thought, I thought the maitre d was. I thought he was very believable as a maitre d. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll give you that. Genuinely I think was. He was. Yeah. yeah good. He's, great. he's in Inglorious Bastards, isn't he? And a few that's other where I know him from. Yeah. Um, and he's in that one about. Is it? It's not Le Mans. It's one of the other racing films where he's like the rival German racer. Oh, does is he, he play? Um, or something? Yeah. He um, he plays uh, Nicky Lauda. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. In he's that. good. Yeah. He is really good. I did like him, and yeah, I could completely. But he he fit that bill perfectly. Just yeah. even how he held himself and the whole sort of the suit always and everything. He just looked exactly like. He looked like it. He spoke like it. Even just a little mannerisms. Like you could tell he sometimes he didn't agree with or endorse yeah. what Bradley was doing, yeah, but he wouldn't yeah. argue. And you see that a lot. It's just okay. I will just bite my tongue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, um, he's probably my favourite character in terms of like likability. Yeah, um, I think actually the the last one I've got down is like the most one of the most weird, the weirdest, maybe the weirdest scene is in the film is when Bradley Cooper makes Sienna Miller's daughter a cake. Yeah, and he's and like staring, and then stares at stares at her while she eats it, and, like, yeah. and then you've got this whole twee concept that this kid has been brought up on her mum's amazing food, so she's a good judge of what a load of fucking bollocks. I was like, this is oh, no. shit writing. Like, and the mum's in there working. Just send her yeah. out. Let her see her daughter on her birthday. <laughs> she's there, like not blinking with her cake. I know. It's like, Here we go. Here, I know. This for you. Oh, yeah, he looked stranger danger there, didn't he? Yeah, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's weird because I do really like Bradley Cooper and he is clearly a great actor. I just think that the character, like you said earlier, that character development and all that stuff, we can never really like him enough to care. Mm. Yeah. And that is one of the biggest problems, I think, despite mm. the fact that um, there are loads of really good little bits in it. What do you reckon the IMDb rating is? I'm going to guess it's about six-ish or something. Ooh, very good. 6.6. 6. Oh, okay. Actually, by IMDb standard, that is quite high, isn't it? 6.6. 6. Yeah, yeah. Because there are no films that are 9. I think Shawshank is 1 with 8.9. Oh, so is it? Anything. That's the yeah. highest. Yeah. Uh-huh. So anything above a 6 is that's, that's probably better than I thought. Yeah. Probably gets the Bradley Cooper vote, doesn't it, a bit? Yeah. Yeah. He is beautiful, though, isn't he? Yeah. Bloody hell. I remember stupidly saying during a, like classic tabletop game around a bar table one night when we were all a bit pissed like talking about who would play you in a film and me trying to talk myself into it being Bradley Cooper playing me and getting absolutely rinsed and I was like it was, he was just in the hangover and he wasn't quite as beautiful then I was like he's, he was a bit more now, rugged yeah. a bit more rugged and a bit more rough and I was like he play, and then like now I just I look like a prick I'll like, <laughs> probably edit that out uh, <laughs> he, he yeah. is good at play, playing a bit of a prick though like, I remember him years ago in Wedding Crashers, and he was a prick in that. Oh, God, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, he was yeah, the boy, boyfriend lot. who loved the dad and like, kissed his ass, and yeah, he was a yeah, total yeah. jock, weren't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, oh, he's good God, at being yeah, a dick. He is good, though, isn't he? Um, cool. I, I still enjoyed what... It was still good to go through, because like, in some ways, especially in us like talking about it and reviewing it, sometimes it's easier when they're a bit, it's a bit shit. Yeah. <laughs> there's, more, there's more to pick apart. Like In some ways, like when we were watching Grant Ackett's one, it's just everything about it is so amazing. It just ends up being us talking about how much we love it and how, yeah. how I love it. I much prefer going, what a load of bollocks. I That's know. Like, maybe we should yeah. pick some more shit films. Yeah, because we had two that we loved and you get a bit sick yeah. of, sycophantic, don't you, really? Yeah, <laughs> you need to. You need the rough to have the smooth, don't you? Exactly. Um, uh, it's your, you had Ratatouille last time and then I picked Burnt. That's my fault. So yeah. do you oh. want to pick the next one, mate? Um... Really sure. There's so many. Mm. Um, the ones that are in my head: uh, Grace on Netflix. Yeah. Um, that's an option. Um, I don't know. You've seen Grace before? A long time ago. Yeah, a few years back. 
I'm cool. sure I've it's not seen still it. on Netflix. She'll go for we that. We'll do that one. Yeah, she'll yeah, do, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do Grace. Yeah, you'll like Grace. that. And it's on, Net- it's on Netflix as well, which is good, because I, I chose Burton and then realised you can't get it anywhere. I know. You have to rent it. I had to pay it. 350 for that. <laughs> oh, right. No, a little tip for people. Amazon Prime, are, they're very clever and sneaky about this. You know, on Amazon Prime where it says rent? Yeah. And, and, and then there's one button there that says more purchase options. Yeah. Click on that. And then in standard definition, because yeah. the one that defaults is three pound fifty for HD. Yeah. In standard definition, that could be one pound fifty or two quid. Ah. And often you can't fucking tell because you've got to have like the best no. TV in the world to get. It. So just click more purchase options. You can get it for way cheaper. Ah, oh, if I don't know. I mean, it's not going to make burn any worse, no. is it? That- <laughs> no. Yeah. If we if we do this for four months, you can save yeah. yourselves a tenner probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, nice one, mate. Okay, let's, yeah, uh, for Grace. Great. Let's do let's do Grace next Perfect. week. Perfect. Um, also, I I didn't want to. I, we won't dwell on it, but I just wanted to quickly sort of touch upon it. So we're recording this on Wednesday, twenty fourth of June. Yesterday, Boris made the announcement about pubs and restaurants reopening again on the fourth of July with measures in place. I text you being like, I can't believe how many restaurants have tweeted saying we're opening straight away. From yeah, the fourth. I know. Like, incredible. And I suppose there's a mixture of like, oh my God, is this going to be, is it going to work? Or, and, but also that genuine optimism of, oh, this is nice. Things are opening mm. again. How, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think it's good that places are. I'm really happy. It's good for the industry. Um, there was no like... Uh, new information for me it's as I thought it would be and as we'd spoke before you know it wasn't going to make a difference for us I thought it was going to be a two metre rule to a one metre rule but it's it's not really when you read the documents especially I've Mm -hmm. read the 43 page document this morning um, (laughs) which was fun yeah well the bit's (laughs) relevant to us not all of it Um, and it's still two metres but it's if you can't do two meters, it's one meters plus precautions. So one meter with a screen. So right. you, it's not right. just two to one meter. It's not that simple. Um, and plus you can't have more than 30 people in a, a building or room in one time. So that includes the staff as well. Yeah. So course. if you've got six staff, that's 24 customers at one time. Yeah, yeah. it's not, it's not going to work for us. I, I worked out how, the other day how much it would um, how much I feel we could take maximum and then how to divide that sort of by three to work out my staff costs it just wasn't viable to be honest right. so we're just I hadn't expected to open up in July anyway so we're looking at other things still and um, cool. yeah I mean good luck to the guys opening up um, my, my, yeah, the, my yeah. other concerns are as well if there is a second spike opening up and then reclosing would be very That's expensive like very tough. you restart get everyone back then you've got to close again that's that's very expensive. That's why I err yeah. on the side of caution. And also it could be like, you know, um, just London or it could just be the Southwest or, you know, it could just be a certain area. Yeah. And then also you've got the issue as well is if, if some people in your team get it, you know, you've got to isolate your whole team, then you have to close. So again, yeah, just... just err to think about. Mm, erring on the side of caution. I don't want to go invest in loads of money in screens when you know, we could, we're still going to struggle to sort of fill it anyway. So yeah, yeah we're just holding enough, fire. Mate. That every restaurant's in a different scenario based on its size, the amount of staff, everything. There's so many variables, aren't there? So exactly. Like, there's a spectrum of people waiting and opening in a week and a half's time. Yeah. Um, but I suppose at the very end of the day, at least it is a step closer towards opening properly because, yeah. you know, it's a step towards the right thing hopefully fingers crossed yeah exactly it is annoying when people get annoyed saying oh they've only given us a week and a half notice um mm. but you don't have to open that date that's just when you can open it's not like yeah. right you've got a week yeah. and a half and you have to open why aren't you open i told yeah. you yeah, i've given you a week and a half yeah stop getting annoyed point. about it they've just said you can open from then as soon as you're yeah. ready open <laughs> yeah good point mate cool well fingers crossed for you watch this space i guess yeah um Awesome. Right, we'll watch Grace this time next week. And uh, yeah, follow us on at the Nightcap Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send us your suggestions and any other thoughts you have on the films and TV shows that we're watching. Just jot them in and uh, any questions you've got, any any of that sort of stuff, we'll uh, endeavour to sort of like pick it up and, and maybe even introduce some of that to the podcast each week if people have made observations about the film themselves. Um, great. Catch you next week. Cool. Catch you later.